405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. With the uncertainty of how long Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the Big 12 right now, they're obviously contractually obligated to be there for two years before they join the SEC. Obviously, you hear lots of rumblings that there may be an early buyout. We don't know any of that stuff, but let's just say for the sake of argument that maybe this is the only year that you're going to have an opportunity to face Texas and Oklahoma. That makes these games even more important. Sure, especially when you consider that against Texas and Oklahoma and one of the stranger stats that BYU football is currently enjoying, <laughs> you're combined 6-1 and one against the Longhorns <laughs> and Sooners. 4-1 and one against Texas and 2-0 and all against the Sooners. The numbers don't lie. Bring them on, right? Bring them on indeed if you want the smoke. You got it on Saturday. 10 a.m. in Provo, Utah. Obviously, that's an old clip because, thank God, OU and Texas will not be in the league for another year. They're leaving after uh, two more games. Well, hopefully three more games in conference for OU, right? Uh, That was from earlier in the year. Yeah, BYU fans, really excited, really excited to have OU in town on Saturday. And I asked this on our Twitter page, and Text Line can get involved with this as well. OU will play at BYU. Travis, OU is playing in the state of Utah for the first time in program history on Saturday. What college football stadium have you always wanted to see OU play in? You'll see him for the first time at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday, but what's another college football stadium you've always wanted to see OU play in? And if I, well, if, if I were to have ranked these before the year, BYU would be in my top 25, maybe even my top 20. I'm, I'm excited about this weekend. Yeah, I, th- I think, Tyler, it comes down to is it the state, is the question the stadium or is it the environment or the, the setting or anything like that? The question is the stadium because I thought we would get a lot of people saying, Ole Miss! Well, Ole Miss is going to be fun. Like, the most fun part about Ole Miss is before the game actually starts. Right. The actual stadium <laughs> yeah. itself isn't, yeah, Not yeah great. exactly. So that's, so that's the, the, the clarification, Tyler, that I was looking for there. I know we love that word these last couple of days. Um, I mean, it's certainly up there as far as just a setting goes, a stadium, because you've got the mountains right there, because it's a unique setting. Um, yeah, I'd put it top 15 probably. Probably top 15. I mean, if you're just saying stadium, what, what would be some of the first ones to come to your mind? Uh, Wisconsin, like I, I, I think Madison, like the town would be really fun, but I think the stadium itself and, you know, jump around and all the stuff they do, like, like Wisconsin would be a lot of fun. I haven't seen OU play there before. Obviously, some of like the SEC ones, but I, I tell you one that we got quite a bit, and it may be the most responses we got on a single stadium, DKR in Austin. A lot of people would like to see OU play hmm. at Texas one time. That's complicated. Yeah, I'm, I, and and it's not even it's not even that playing there means that it would not be able to be played in the in the Cotton Bowl. But I'm not. I don't know. I'm I'm not that crazy about getting down there for one. I I don't think it would make my top ten. 
So I like atmosphere wise, I mean it would be an incredible atmosphere if OU was there, right? But I don't just I just don't look at DKR as oh my gosh. That is that's one of the finer game day atmospheres that you're going to find. And I've walked out of the Cotton Bowl before after losing to those guys and how miserable it is. It'd be even worse in Austin. But if you go down there and beat them at their own place, uh, at a stadium named after a, a legendary Sooner, it would be pretty rewarding. But if we're just talking about the stadium itself, I don't, I don't look at their stadium down there as a, oh my gosh, i got to watch a game there because it's such a great college football experience. That's not how I look at Texas. No, I really don't either, but um, got got some good, uh, you know, the text line, uh, Knippelmeyer text line is going off. Obviously, a lot of answers for my number one as well. This would be more of an atmosphere type situation. Penn State for a whiteout game, man. That's cool. on my bucket list. And You know they're OU only going to score 12 points and you'll beat them 26 to 12, something like that, so that'll yeah, be nice. As long as OU's favored. James Franklin's there, we will win because he loses the games he's supposed to and he wins the games he's supposed to. So, um, I don't know. Uh, that one, obviously, uh, Death Valley, um, the Big House, you know, uh, actually a lot of Baton Rouge, you know, a lot of Death Valley answers. So, uh, your wish will be granted, text line. Yeah, um, if you're into the scenery aspect, Wallace Morse says uh, Husky Stadium in Washington. I know OU was out there in 2008. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I got to go to Colorado in 03. Yeah, 03. And they have the mountains in the background. Like, that's why like I appreciate the scenery aspect that college football has to offer. So that's why I'm really excited about Saturday. Like, BYU is going to be cool. But Husky St- uh, Stadium with the sailgating uh, would be cool. I didn't get to go to Neyland, though, in 2015. So I think my top two would be either Wisconsin or let me go to Neyland Stadium for an OU Tennessee game. That would be sweet. I just hope it's it's as epic as it was the last time the uh, the game was there. Going to be tough to beat, right? I mean, Baker coming out party. I mean, it's it's kind of come again full circle for me with uh with the Vikings with Josh Dobbs now leading my Vikings during their win streak. Uh, so that's been that's been a little bit odd, but uh but yeah, it would be cool to to go back there and see something even slightly as epic because it is a it is a fantastic atmosphere down there. And and here's here's an interesting question, I think, Tyler. Where do you think Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium lands on other people's lists? Ooh. Um I somewhere outside the top ten right now, maybe outside top fifteen. That's a good question. I, I, I think that that's I think the opinion of OU though. Whatever it is, if I'm totally off and it's not even in the top twenty for some people, or you know what, whatever, I I think the the overall opinion of OU is about to be kicked up a notch because you're going to have better atmospheres, you're going to have better kickoff times, you're going to have better teams roll into OU. You know what I mean? Like I I just don't know how well it's been featured here over the past decade when you're playing 11 a.m. games against Iowa State and Kansas and West Virginia. You know what I mean? Like We we can count on one hand the great home games against big-time programs over the past decade. So maybe it's not ranked that high, but I think it's going to be ranked higher here in the next five years considering the opponents and the bigger games that are about to be played there, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We need to, uh, you know, you go on a lot of uh, opposing radio shows, uh, you know, uh, throughout the week, throughout the season. That, that's a question you gotta. You I need gotta to do ask. that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some homework. Jeff from OKC says Clemson Death Valley would like to see the player entrance. Uh, Bobby from Austin says DKR has high school vibes. Nice. Eight one seven says Hawaii. Hawaii's not playing in the old dump, the old Aloha Stadium out there, are they? Uh, I think they got like a, a new stadium there in Honolulu. Yeah, I think they did too. I mean, regardless, though, I mean, game in Hawaii. Oh yeah, beat on the island would be would be I mean, sweet. <laughs> I mean, you could play. I don't, I don't care where you play. I, I remember mean, when uh, Alabama was on its bowl game ban for two years when they were playing OU. I think in O two and O three. In one of those years, they said, all right, we're banned from a bowl game. We're just going to add an extra game for the last game of the year at Hawaii. That, that's how you do it if you're ever in a bowl ban. Just just let your fans go follow you to uh, Honolulu and, and go watch a football game. 715 says, Wisconsin is a neat old stadium, but horrible concession stand. Chapstick says, uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium is probably 25th or so. What, what do you think about that ranking for OU? Ooh, hmm. I guess it depends. I, I would argue it would depend on the age, Tyler. I think people that have a historical perspective of Oklahoma being a blue blood, one of the top three programs all time, I think those people would answer a bit more favorably. I think they'd probably put us top 10, top 15. Uh, but if you are, I don't know, um, of the TikTok generation, you're probably, yeah, you're probably down there in the in the – you don't think kicking for chicken does it for people, the younger nah, people? No, probably the 21 to 24 range for the people that don't have at least a historical perspective on the program. And and OU can be cool for a, you know, like an afternoon game, a 2.30 game, and, and we're going to see 2.30 games in the SEC against big-time opponents with great atmospheres. But I, I think a night game at most places probably gives you a better atmosphere is that even more so for OU for what they're able to do with the lights and with the intro video and all that? Like, if we're talking about maximum experience for an OU home game, is it definitely a night game for, for what they have now? It's, I mean, it's got to be, right? I mean, I think, I think an interesting question would be which stadiums aren't, right? I mean, are, are, BYU a, because you can't see the mountains at night. Right, but I think, I think most of us are assuming that, the, that night games are – are going to be everybody's answer except maybe a handful of them, right? Pro- yeah, pro- I, I would definitely Death Valley. We, we, know, we know that's for sure. Uh, 405 Gaylord Stadium is viewed like the big house. Nice, but it's more about the tradition and history. That's from Boomer G. Uh, KW the 918, OU's home atmosphere is like Teddy talking about RPO. It's blah. It won't scratch the top ten until they at least get rid of kicking for chicken and do a better job with fan engagement. We're also getting a lot of Virginia Tech on the text line about places they would want to see. But that's you guys are saying that only for the intro. intro. Yeah, like after the intro's over, it's okay. Yeah, Virginia Tech's just fine. It's it's okay. It's all right. So you better hope the intro's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be enough to carry the entire experience, travel, everything, just for the intro. Dallas Bill says I attended the game at Tennessee and it was the loudest place I've ever been. Beautiful setting. That's from Bill, the uh, the Astros fan. Tulsa Boomer, and here's a very, very underrated uh, place on my list, and this goes back to the scenery, 
Uh, we go to Colorado Springs once a year, and we're, we're going back in a few weeks. Air yeah. Force, says Tulsa Boomer. I would love to see a game at Air Force. OU was out there in 2001. I think with the flyover that they would have, there, there's another place where an afternoon game would be better than a night game. You get the flyover at Air Force, the mountains in the background. That would be that'd be sweet to, to see OU play up there again. You know, oddly enough, what the best flyover I've ever seen has been is uh, KU this year. Really? Yeah, they had uh, huh. some KU alums up there flying jets. I mean, they took multiple passes going each way, and then they came from the east and west sides of the stadiums, and once they got above the stadium, just turned straight up and did a climb straight into the air. I mean, it it was very much uh, it was uh, reminiscent of like an air show. You know, or as close to an air show as you get with flyovers. Typically, Tyler, right? You just get the one flyover during the anthem, and then boom, you're done. Now, this one, uh, they were all over the place. Wow, interesting. I would not have guessed Kansas was the best flyover yeah. that uh, you've seen before. We weren't. We weren't thinking it either. We were sitting there in yeah. the press box. We saw a jet start to come towards us, and we're like, "Uh oh." Miss R. Norman says the KU flyover was awesome. So, uh, Big Rich and OKC. The KU flyover was great, so you you got people. The Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl flyover is probably the best one that I've seen, and someone else from the three one zero says that that was that was pretty cool. Four oh five. I've been to every SEC stadium, some a few times. Oklahoma will be right up there, top three, top five for sure. And 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 I've been saying that for a while since the move to the SEC. I, I just I just believe it, man. Like there, there's more exciting games with better kickoff times, and I think people know they've always known the importance of having a good home field advantage. But with so many great home field advantages in the SEC, like the program itself will have to step up. I think the fan base will step it up once SEC home games are here. There's just 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 my thoughts on that. I'll tell you what, I, I will say a couple things. I think the student section has done a fantastic job at the basketball games, even though it is early. They've done a really, really good job. Porter Moser's been doing that, uh, you know, kind of uh, um, getting them excited about it, obviously doing kind of his campus tours, his Greek tours. I thought the crowd at West Virginia was actually good because, you know, you're coming oh, down off crowd, two man. losses. You're coming off two losses. You know, you're kind of, you know, beating yourself up a little bit and whatnot and, and, and you think, okay, there go our playoff hopes. And, I mean, the crowd was great. Student section was great. I mean, they were they were given number 12 from West <laughs> Virginia. They were giving them all he could handle, man. I mean, uh, I mean, it was a really, really good crowd. And that gives me a little bit of confidence to be like, okay, I loved the, the, the blackout intro situation where they went all dark for the intro. I thought that looked really cool. You know, I think, again, just give us more night games. Give us better opponents. And I think OU fans – I mean, I think people are going to stop telling you to sit down in front. I yeah, really do. I hope so. JP Sooner, I love this. Best flyover I ever saw was Saturday night. Our flyover was the stealth plane because I didn't even freaking see it. My, my wife and I were talking about that. What, was it, what happened to flyover? I mean, you're used to every single game being in the afternoon, and so you get a flyover for every single game at OU. But the, the night game, you don't get the flyovers, man. Or at least on Saturday you didn't. So I was like, oh, okay, That's, you're, you're just used to having it every single game. Didn't on Saturday. Yeah, they, can, they can throw some lights on those things, can't they? Put some Christmas lights off the back end. There we go. Christmas we'll lights on a, on a B2 just <laughs> flying over. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, absolutely. So many responses. Appreciate you all uh, interacting with us on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. We'll get to more text and, yeah, more OU football as well right here on The Ref. 
This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. There are trucks, then there's the truck. GMC Sierra, with available features like the V. In Tulsa, what's going on up there at Andy B's? Man, it's popping, you know how it is. Every time, you know, school lets out, kind of that late afternoon push, you get all kinds of kids coming in. I'm sure you can hear the bowling lanes behind me. Um, you know, they're, they're, what I like about Andy B's is constantly improving, right? They're putting in a multi-million dollar kitchen behind me, 85% scratch. They're doubling uh, their arcade area. They're doubling their go-kart tracks with all new go-karts, doing all kinds of stuff. Obviously, they opened that Oak location off uh, Pennsylvania Avenue over there in Oklahoma City. Tonight, they've got that service industry night from 7 p.m. to close where all service industry employees can bowl unlimited for $7. They've got beer and food specials on that, but they're really ramping up for their holiday party season. It's big time around here. The best way to book that is going to go visit bowlandybees.com backslash Tulsa. Go there, book your holiday party, have a lot of fun doing it. Patrick says, who is your best guest for our final home game next year after Thanksgiving? Mizzou? Well, Mizzou's a road game next year. Um, you know what I wouldn't be surprised to see next year, and this is not something that I would love? The final home game next year, it could be Maine. You could be playing Maine on like th- this Saturday oh, of next year. I know, man, because it's like the uh, what do they call it in the, in the SEC? SoCon Saturday. Like this Saturday is the weekend where all the SEC teams essentially have a another bye week before they get to rivalry week. I I hope this isn't how it works out, but I could see OU playing at Missouri the final week and then Maine the week before at home. I really hope that's wrong, though. Yeah, we got it. I mean, I know we want the SEC experience, Tyler. Can, we can leave that one, and, and we can leave that one to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're gonna play Maine next year at home. That's gonna happen. It's the only non-conference game that has doesn't have a date attached to it just yet. So. It feels like they're going to uh, play that in the month of November at some point. Hopefully it's not your last home game next year. Sooner Jeff says, my wife went to Auburn, so I've been to a couple of games out there. I've always had a blast. Auburn's going to be a very under-the-radar trip next year. More people will be talking about the LSU and Ole Miss trip, most likely, but I bet Auburn's probably pretty sneaky fun. Oh, absolutely. But, Tyler, we're going to have to get to a point, and maybe ignorance is bliss in this aspect, Tyler, but when we go there initially, I think part of us, we're just going to be so excited to be there and be in the SEC that I'm not even sure if we'll be fair judges. Maybe we need to ask people that have been in the SEC a while and be like, all right, is it? do we always have this fun of a time? Are we always this impressed by it? Or are we just sick of going to Lubbock? Yeah, compared to Lubbock, compared to Lawrence, compared to Ames, compared to Waco, this is awesome. Yeah, you're right. We we may need like a uh, full tour around the conference before we before we have an uh, accurate, re- you know, if we're able to tell just how great the uh, the atmospheres are in order out there in the uh, in the SEC. You're probably right about that. Hey, it does feel like this run game has been kicked up a notch the past three games, does it not? Oh, Big absolutely. reason of that is Gavin Salchuk. And I, th- and I think, you know, uh, some continuity on the offensive line, right? I mean, you get Guyton out with a concussion, you know, it, it, Sexton steps in. He was going to be your, I, I believe, based on the Cheez-It Bowl, he was going to be your starting left tackle if he doesn't go down with an injury uh, in that bowl game. 
Uh, I think he's your starting left tackle. I know the coaches love him. Move over to right tackle. He gives up a sack, but he's pretty much solid the rest of the game. You heard McCade Metallier uh, in his post-practice interview talk about, you know, we averaged six yards a carry when we ran over our right side uh, once he kind of got settled in. So I think the offensive line play, and then Caden Green obviously been playing very well. Uh, he is, I believe, uh, our own Parker Thune wrote a, wrote a big story on him. I believe Caden Green is the first-ever true freshman captain. Uh, that yep. we'll be having this week. So, I mean, the offensive line has been playing much better. I mean, you even look at Tawi Walker's run, uh, you know, that big touchdown run. He wasn't even 100%. It looked like he was limping 23 yards, but it was so well blocked. Gavin Sawchuk, you know, sprung by some good blocks. I, I think while the running backs have been playing better and their vision has been better, and Dylan Gabriel has continued his, you know, good running, his good vision, our offensive line's been playing better, man. And it really feels like it got going because of the young. I mean, really, Caden Green, but you put in a, another young offensive lineman on Saturday and, and fared just fine. And I, I do think when we look back at the season, if it cont- if they continue to run the ball well and they continue to win games, good things happen offensively, we're probably going to look back at Caden Green and say, well, that was kind of the moment that things really started going offensively uh, in the run game. And his expectations going into year two are going to be – they're going to be really high, man. Regardless if he's playing at guard or if he's playing at tackle next year, wherever it's at, like Caden Green's going to have some real expectations heading into year two. Yeah, as he should, man. And, and you know, pressure is a pl- privilege, right? We hear it over and over at a place like Oklahoma. We hear it from coaches. We hear it from players, everybody. And, yeah, he's going to have some pressure in year two. But that's because he came into Texas and bullied their big decorated defensive line and completely turn the run game on its head in that game. So he comes in, I mean, again, captain. That's a type of guy, once Bill Biedenboe gets some continuity, then I think we're going to see the best of what he has. He's been here for 10 years. Four of his top five recruits are currently on campus. The only one that's not is uh, Bray Walker. So four out of five, you know, I, I think Jake Taylor – I, th- I think he honestly starts at right tackle next year. I think they yeah. try and redshirt him in the end of this year. I think Sexton's at left tackle. I think at left guard, you keep Caden. You might have to do transfer, transfer in the, you know, depending on how the center and the right guard shake out. But I think, Tyler, we've just been waiting for continuity on the offensive line. You want to have those three-year starters type, right, as you're into the meat of the SEC. And I think we're right on the precipice of having that with this young group. Yeah, I I just hope that they find a five next year and they're able to start the year with that five and they're able to gel together uh, as a group as the season goes on because there wasn't a whole lot of continuity this year with the offensive line or the running game. And I think that was a big reason why it took them several weeks to get going. Uh, 918 O-line is playing better and we are not wasting carries on Barnes and Major. Simple formula. Uh, 580, everyone has been running on the teams OU has ran on. Let's not overhype it. Well, that's true, and I'm not trying to sell you that it's the best run game in the country, but this was an offense, Travis. A lot of teams have been able to run the ball on Tulsa, and OU wasn't necessarily able to do that. So there were plenty of gettable games earlier in the year where OU was supposed to be able to run the ball and it wasn't happening. At least now they are running the football consistently on the teams left on the schedule. And yes, there haven't been great rush defenses here down the final stretch, but that was also the case in the early stretch of the season as well, and it wasn't happening. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe we got caught up a little bit in just looking at the stats and saying, and, and I don't know, maybe we're doing that this week a little bit, but 
we know a little bit more about the teams here that they've played 10 games. A lot of those those stats are a little more concrete um, as they are in the at the beginning of the season when we really don't know much and those outliers can really pull it one direction or the other. But I think sometimes we got we looked at a game and we said, Phew, well, this other team rushed for however many yards against them. We should just be able to run for a million. And we didn't. And all of a sudden we thought, oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. Well, you know, now the running game, it's put together some – it's stacked good performances, right? And everybody seems to be getting healthy. Offensive line seems to be playing well. I'm, I'm a believer in this run game now, which, again, it, it took us a while to get here. Um, by the way, I think that the text I read a, a minute ago uh, echoes the thoughts of uh, many. Not wasting carries on Barnes and Major. I think most people, if not everyone, is let's keep it simple here down the stretch. Let Sawchuck be RB1. Let Tawie Walker be RB2. Like whoever you want to put as running back one, running back two. But those two need to be getting the majority of the carries. And if that is the popular thought, I certainly agree with that. Those are your two best running backs right now. Yeah, and it's... You know, it's it's one of those things. Do you say, "Geez, what you know? What was the staff thinking? Putting you know Javante in earlier, putting Marcus Major." Honestly, at the beginning of the year, you know, Javante was second on the team in 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 yardage last year. So we all thought going into the season, Javante Barnes is that guy. I think in the preseason we all said that. It's wild that at the end of the year we're like, "Well, the formula is not to give the ball to Javante Barnes." Like it's just hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it, Tyler? And and. and and that's really my point on it is like, yeah, the formula is not to give the ball to the Javante Barnes. Everybody in the preseason said that, you know, this guy was going to be, you know, leading the Big 12 in rushing yards. 918, our longest run uh, against Arkansas State was 16 yards, and we averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Things have improved exponentially. And, and that's the, it, it may be the easiest way to tell how, how much better this run game is than it was earlier in the year. Travis, they're actually hitting on big plays. Like Gavin Sawchuck had a long touchdown run against Oklahoma State. He was breaking off big runs against, uh, against West Virginia. Tawee had a nice touchdown run against Oklahoma State. Before, it was just hope they get three, four yards a carry, but they weren't busting big runs, and they're finally starting to do that. You're starting to see the running backs actually break some tackles and get to the second level of the defense, and that really wasn't happening at all early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's what drags those yards per carry numbers up, right? I mean, we we can, like, early on in Oklahoma State, you know, people were saying, well, Gavin Sawchuck is averaging 25 yards a carry. you got to give him the ball. He'll get you 25 yards. It's like, eh, I mean – Sometimes you just got to say, okay, he busted a long one. It, you, you can't count on you can't count on twenty five yards of carry from the guy, um, but you've got to have those ones to pull up those statistics. What was fascinating to me last year, Tyler, was that Eric Gray, for much of the year, was top ten nationally in yards per carry, and that wasn't a guy that stacked up eighty yard runs and seventy yard runs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't hitting home runs left and right to drag that average. He was just always getting to the second level which was it, it was it was kind of interesting looking at that running style yeah well um a, another gettable defense coming up on saturday another defense where you should and frankly you need to run the ball really well against these guys if we're going to continue to be positive about the run game uh byu's 13th in the conference in rush defense in big 12 play they're giving up 215 yards per game so i'm looking at north of 200 yards for ou on saturday which is a very gettable number. Very, very gettable number coming up on Saturday. 
Uh, all right, we'll hit the big stories in college football coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref or the homeless Sooner fans. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. It's the time for Thanksgiving, and it's time for you to feast your eyes on a new 2023 GMC from Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Feast the beast on an all-new 2023 GMC Sierra Crew Cab 1500 4x4 AT4X and take 7,000... It is the Rush on the Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, as we uh, run down the biggest stories going on right now in college football. Gary Patterson has made a statement. He's been on the sidelines this year, Travis. And Gary Patterson said yesterday he's ready to coach again if the right opportunity comes along. Is there a head coaching uh, vacancy right now that you think Gary Patterson fits at best? Gary to A&M? Gary to Boise State? What's what, What's the future look like for old Coach P? Man, um, you know, I, I honestly – I think, yeah, I know the quote. I think he's given quotes. I don't think he ever coaches again. I think he wants to go into the Hall of Fame young, just like uh, old Bob Stoops, his good buddy Bob Stoops did. I think it would take a king's ransom to bring him back, and I don't know who's paying Gary Patterson all that money. I mean, if anybody's going to pay it, I guess it would be A&M. I mean, he's got the Texas ties. You know, he's had success. It wouldn't be a bad hire, to be honest, but I just I personally don't see him getting back into coaching maybe uh i don't know maybe maybe somewhere uh that's got a little richer music history so he can uh vanderbilt yeah yeah absolutely down in nashville memphis something like that get over there so he can play a little music uh, on the side while he's coaching up the team anything to change the the stock photo that i always see of him in texas gear seeing gary patterson in a texas visor and a texas polo isn't that just so weird man i'll never get used to that yeah, it's it that whole thing was weird, right? I mean, they bring him in, they play miraculously against TCU. How weird. Um, you know, they play well against Bama. Their two biggest opponents, they play their best, you know, defensive performance with. I'm not counting our game obviously. But yeah, that that really felt weird. And then he was out there and available and he's just been kind of kicking it, right? Wasn't his quote that he wanted to do something to change college football yeah. for the better or something Help like that. Help out the future of college football, something like that. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, right. Did- hopefully he accomplished that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it was behind closed doors. Maybe, Tyler, he's the one that made the clarification to the tiebreaker. Ah, well, he didn't help out the University of Oklahoma, that's for sure. He, no, he helped didn't. out Oklahoma State, didn't do a solid for Kansas State either. The job openings right now, at least the uh, the more major ones, A&M's open, Mississippi State's open, Michigan State's open, Boise State is open, San Diego State is open, and it sounds like UCLA is going to be open after Saturday night as well. Reports all over the place that UCLA is likely to fire Chip Kelly after the game against USC. So how good of a job is UCLA in the grand scheme of things? Especially now it's about to be a Big Ten school. I mean, I guess the Big Ten gives you a little bit of a carrot on a stick, but I don't know, man. You're you're not going to be the biggest football brand in in the same town. You're going to be traveling like crazy now in the Big Ten. Yeah, there will be more money, but you're going to be traveling like crazy. Um, you're recruiting. I mean, L.A. area recruiting, California recruiting is going to be dominated by other Big Ten schools, namely Oregon. And you're at a basketball school. 
I don't know. I personally don't think it's that great. You don't get anybody to show up to your home games. Yeah. Not great facilities. I mean, I mean your, no. your, your home stadium is, with L.A. traffic, what, like an hour away from your actual campus? Like, it's a – I think it's a very overrated job, and I don't think it's rated in the top ten. I, I just – what are the positives to the UCLA job other than being in the state of California? But Oregon's doing big things in California. USC is trying to. They're getting out-recruited by Oregon right now. Like, even in your own state with all this talent, you're still sit like fourth or fifth in the grand seat. I, I just I, – I don't think it's some great job, man. I really don't. Well, and the talent's going away from you, right? Yep, I mean, correct. We, we've talked about this over and over. The talent is going to the southeast. I mean, Georgia, as far as talent per capita, the talent is going to the southeast by far. So California has had good recruits just by nature of them having a ridiculous number of people. But even those, I mean, like, it's not just per capita stuff that they're losing on. I mean, Florida and Georgia, I mean, they're pumping out a ton of five stars and and blue chippers. And California, again, UCLA is not getting those, not getting those. But it's important, I think, to have realistic expectations, right? I mean, what do you think the expectations were, you know, behind closed doors with Chip Kelly? And and, and do you think he fell woefully short? Did they want him to win the Pac-12? Did they want him to make the playoff? Did they? I mean, uh, that's that's one thing. Do you think UCLA has a healthy understanding of what their expectations are? Probably not, man. I mean, I. Well, I don't know what his overall record was at UCLA. Felt like he had a pretty good year last year with DTR, right? Am I am I imagining something that didn't actually happen? Um, so he, he was playing a young quarterback this year in Dante Moore. He got Dante Moore to L.A. Maybe he transfers out and he's on the tra- – I, I, I don't know. I, I, we'll see how this works out for UCLA, but I don't expect him to all of a sudden be a 9-10 win team as a uh, Big Ten squad. Speaking of the Big Ten, as coaches are getting fired – One was hired today as a full-time head coach. Northwestern is expected to hire interim coach David Braun as the school's permanent head coach. He was named the interim head coach after the whole Pat Fitzgerald stuff. Northwestern's at 5-5 this year after a 1-11 season last year. One went away from a bowl. They won at Wisconsin on Saturday. So it sounds like Northwestern is close to uh, having its next football coach. Not that Northwestern could have attracted a huge name, uh, but good for this guy. Uh, getting a uh, full-time uh, head coaching opportunity there at Northwestern. Pretty cool for him. Right, and that's the thing is, again, healthy understanding of what the expectations are. And and I think Northwestern, at this point at least, has that. I mean, obviously a uh, uh, defensive coordinator there now. But, yeah, coming from NDSU, I mean, it, it's not it's not a bad place to hire from, right? When you talk Mount Union, NDSU, those places that have you know winning cultures and have to – recruit and develop because you're not just getting loaded down with a bunch of blue chip talent so i think again healthy understanding of expectations i think that's a good hire michigan is big sad once again with all the sign ceiling stuffs going on think they're treated unfairly their program has 999 wins they got a chance to get the 1000th win in program history saturday at maryland and they think it's a sham travis they think it's out it's an outrage. They're outraged that Jim Harbaugh may not be there on the sideline for Michigan's 1,000th win in school history. Kid got who cares if Jim Harbaugh's there for your 1,000th win in school history? Boo hoo! I mean, they they ought to be they ought to be rejoicing that they didn't vacate any wins because then they <laughs> seriously, they, that, man, that would have been pushed back for a while.
Well, hopefully that happens. Hopefully they get their thousandth win and they celebrate, and then they got to vacate <laughs> to like two years of wins, and they take them behind a uh, thousand wins once again. It, gets, it takes the, them a couple of years to get there. The only program to hit a thousand wins twice. Yeah, could be Michigan. Could be a great trivia question someday. Hey, last one I have, and this is bold projections for OU. I, I've seen a few here. Uh, tell me which one is the most enticing. I'm gonna. This one's probably pretty easy for you. OU Texas A and M in the Texas Bowl. OU and Arizona in the Alamo Bowl, or OU and USC in the Alamo Bowl? Those are the three projections I'm seeing. I mean, yeah. I, I, I actually I enjoy San Antonio a lot. I, I had a lot of fun last time we went there. So, uh, obviously, the answer is OU-USC, but the only question is, before you lock in the answer, do you somehow have a crystal ball that will tell me whether or not Caleb or Lincoln Riley will be there? That's kind of an important part of it, isn't it? And you, Very you, important you'd part. Rather, if you can only pick between the two, you'd rather have Lincoln Riley be there than Caleb Williams. But I just, Which I think is actually less likely. Like, I could see Caleb playing in that game. I mean, he played in the bowl game while he was, you know, in the portal with us. So it's like, I could see him playing the game. If anything, Lincoln would be the one that, that I would guess might not be there uh, oddly enough maybe he still needs to be there in some capacity if he's not there you could put a cardboard cutout of him on the sideline a balding cardboard cutout of him on the sideline so you still have something to boo at if you're an OU well fan. if you need if you need cardboard you could just have him cook a brisket first ah, very nice very nice yes uh what's going on at andy b's there in tulsa man busier 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 the arcade's starting to fill up uh, they've got they've got some people. I've seen some groups come in and uh, actually inquire about uh, some holiday parties. We've actually had some of the Ref Army members come through, say hi, take some photos. Just a good time. I like that we do this every Wednesday, man. Andy Bees has been a great partner to us. Uh, really excited about that Oklahoma City location. When it comes to those holiday parties, again, they're turning away some birthday parties because they're they're going all out for this Christmas stuff, this holiday stuff. So um, to to book your party, you need to visit Bowl. AndyBees.com backslash Tulsa. BowlAndyBees.com backslash Tulsa. Very easy to do. Go on there, book your party, and uh, come out and have some fun. 405-651-3439 is the Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to your text. More college football as well right here on The Ref. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fans. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra, with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior, and of course, the available world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. GMC Sierra, not just any truck, the truck. GMC's continued commitment to professional-grade engineering is on full display at your... Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush... I asked you the same question last week. Did you pay any attention at all to the college football playoff rankings? And we both said, nah, not really. OU's lost twice now. Not really any reason to pay attention to the rankings. Well, now that OU won a game, got back on the right side, and they're trying to get to a New Year Six Bowl game. Watch the playoff rankings last night or still didn't care like last week? No, no still didn't care, man. I actually was at the uh, Thunder Spurs game watching old Chet square off with Wemby so yeah I uh but but I'll be honest if I uh if I hadn't been there uh, I wouldn't have been watching anyways I would have got my notification on my phone yep said hmm and then gone on about my business 
Yeah, uh, we were watching TV last night, and I thought, oh, yeah, and it's supposed to come out around 8 p.m., 8.15, I checked, and the rankings were just now coming out at 8.15 for some reason, and I caught the uh, top five. But, yeah, there was OU sitting at number 14. Maybe I'll care the final rankings released to see if OU gets in the top 12 and the top 10, whatever, but kind of like you, it's hard for me to really care about what's going on with the playoff rankings but if this year was next year's playoff structure, dude, we'd be totally dialed in to see if OU is going to be a top 12 team. Because, well, there's a 12-team playoff next year. Which is kind of their idea, right? That's, that's, what they're, that's what they're aiming for. You know, who cares about, you know, watering down the playoff or anything like that? They want interest to draw deeper into the season for all the teams, right? I mean, but when you do look at the rankings right now, you've just got to gotta wonder – how do you fit into that top 12 to try and get to that, you know, that, that New Year's Six type bowl? And, I mean, a lot of these teams ahead of us are still going to play each other. So the real goal is you just keep winning. Even if you don't make a conference championship game, theoretically, you would still stay where you are while maybe the loser of some conference championship games might drop below you. Yeah. It's possible. OU Optimus says OU USC would be like the Roman Coliseum if Lincoln was there. It would be an all-time atmosphere. If we don't get in the Big 12 championship game, that game must happen. Problem is they might be 7-5 and five this weekend. Yeah. But the Alamo Bowl would love those TV ratings. I don't doubt that. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It feels like, doesn't it feel like you're going to get shoehorned into this OU USC matchup no matter what? I mean, we saw it last year where, you know, the Cheez-It Bowl – Theoret- I mean, I think it's probably even – it's farther of a reach to put OU in the cheez Bowl yes. against against last year's Florida State team than it would be to put a 7-5 and USC team against a uh, against like a 10-2 and OU team. Yeah. So if they've done that with the cheez Bowl, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, I, I would almost put money on it at this point that OU will be playing USC in that bowl game. Jeff from OKC, another thing to think about going to the SEC, new bowl game options too. Yeah, what do we get, the Outback Bowl, the Capital One Bowl? Uh, in the Outback Bowl, you do uh, someone dresses up as a Bloomin' Onion and someone else dresses up as a coconut <laughs> shrimp. Like, uh, is it, I, I yeah. thought they used to do a thing where like one, one team gets to be the Bloomin' Onion, the other's the coconut shrimp. And let's say OU's playing like Penn State, and if you're the coconut shrimp, you get a free coconut shrimp at Outback if, if your team wins. It's something like that, something weird. Hey, I like that. I'd, I'd be after their wings, though. They've got pretty good wings over there at Outback, and they've got a tangy tomato dressing that I would go with. So maybe, uh, they, you know, that's a, but that is a, that's a really good point from the text line. I mean, conference affiliations with bowls. That gets turned on its head. You get a lot of new destinations. Including the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Could you imagine uh, Britt Venables getting doused with mayo after a win? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> How do you think you would handle that? Like like a champ, <laughs> I'm sure. Like Shane a champ. Beamer handled it like a champ a couple of years ago. Who would handle it the worst? Oh, geez. Oh, like Muleshoe would, right? I mean, he, you know, messes up the little amount of hair he still has. Like, just just go with it. I know it's disgusting, but just kind of go with it in that moment. Like, it, it's it's probably that weasel out there. So, I, I, my answer would have to be Saban. Oh, he'd be so pissed. He'd be so angry that they're even in that bowl. 
the last thing he would want to do is to be doused Sam in Sam Pittman would make winning. a sandwich. He'd pull out two loaves of bread and some turkey out of his pocket, make him a sandwich. <laughs> Just raw dog and some turkey slices in the pocket. Uh, final hour of The Rush coming up next right here on The Ref. Keep it locked. We're the homeless Cedar fans.